0: Today, we have on the show uh, Sister Rita Claire Yoches uh, and Sister Sarah Rose Dent. Welcome, your Franciscan TOR sisters, based out of Steubenville. And uh, we interviewed Sister Rita on the show, and I'd like to begin with Sister Sarah Rose. Um, you were down at FSU, now you're back at the mother house and doing novitiate work, is that right?
1: I was actually at Franciscan University oh, nice. in Steubenville. But uh, yes, but now I'm just going into working at the motherhouse with the novices, which will uh-huh. be, uh, I'm really excited about the change actually. Yeah.
0: yeah. And your work at uh, Franciscan University with the students, was that, well, what did that entail?
1: Yeah, my first four years, I worked in the Office of Evangelization. And so I was working with the groups that were putting on, students that were putting on Praise and Worship Weekly and then a monthly gathering called Festival of Praise. Mm-hmm. And then also um, just like all the teams that go into that. So there's people that pray with students and pray with their peers, or maybe they're giving an exhortation or leaving the music, mm-hmm. um, intercessory prayer. So there's just several different groups that I got to work with and just form them in different ways. Mm-hmm. and. Um, Give them teachings and things and then my last year i just um, fully did spiritual direction that's kind of the direction where the friars wanted us to go so and that was really a gift and i feel like it prepared me for what i'm doing now because just opened my heart in a different way to really listen and and just to walk with women um, in a beautiful way i feel like it just opened me up for being able to do that with the novices this year
0: Are the typical students at franciscan are they mostly are devout or sometimes are they having troubles and they're banished Uh to the Franciscan Right, (laughs) right, yeah, for sure. Sometimes they do
1: come with like, like their parents make them come basically, you know, or, you know, they won't pay for any of their school but Franciscan. So you do get a mixed bunch, but I would say in general, like pretty, Pretty good kids, um, but there is the party scene that still happens off campus, uh-huh. and we have to, you know, kind of work around that and um, just like have events going on that are good alternatives to partying off campus, that kind of stuff as well. So we are aware of all that going on, um, but they really are a special group in general, really just trying to follow God and uh, and and want to take advantage of formation that's possible for them at Franciscan. Yeah.
0: And did you go there yourself?
1: I did. Yeah, okay. two thousand three to two thousand
0: seven. Graduated. You okay. I, I went. We covered some of the youth conferences one yeah. year, and um, and I we went. I did like a summer there for pre-theology. This was like ninety six mm. or something, mm. nice. <laughs> a million years ago. But I remember their chapel is still the same. That round chapel, yeah. you know, and with the with the San Damiano cross, and uh, and it just hit me. Because when I entered, like in '94, it's like Franciscan was one of the unusual mm. lights of the church. Yeah. I mean, there was other faithful, but that's the one you heard about, right. you know. And it just seemed like the Spirit, Holy Spirit, just worked powerfully as a, as hope and just, you know, Scott Hahn, all these people just generating all this yeah. material and content for people to definitely. Bring them into So, is that spirit still alive and active? And
1: <laughs> Yeah, I do think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that it could be stirred up more. <laughs> um, maybe, can. I, yeah. Maybe, you know, yeah. but um, I also don't want to compare to the past either yeah, because maybe yeah. there's something new that God wants to do through the students and in right. the students. So, yeah. yeah, I do look to the past sometimes, kind of like, oh, I wish it was like this. But at yeah. the same time, like, He is doing something new. Right. Yeah.
0: And you work with young women today. What, is, what are some of the things that you found to be helpful and maybe things they're struggling with that the Christianity, you know, the church can help them with that mm. you found?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of different things. I think um, maybe just some tools that I've used with spiritual direction. One um, has been like, what are your fears? What are the lies that you're listening to? Like kind of negative thinking. Um and kinda of helping them to like look at that and what is the truth that's maybe the real the reality about yeah. yourself or how you compare to others. Um so maybe kind of looking at that has has helped them a lot. Um and maybe just using some prayers. We call it it's it's from um unbound ministry, basically just like I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore, this fear, you know, fear of failure fear of not being good enough or whatever it is that I'm not beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so something like that. Um, but I think in general, just for them to pray uh, consistently, you know, I tell them start with a half hour and you can build off of that. But we're just going to start with that, praying with the scripture. And so I just get them starting off with that and give them yeah. scriptures. Yeah.
0: What do you tell them? Like, uh, is, do you tell them like a certain method for praying with the scriptures?
1: Like- right. I kind of ask them like where, how does God speak to them if, if they can, you know, sense that already? Mm-hmm. Or um, maybe like, how do they just in, in general learn or receive information? Like, are they more, they like to listen or do they like to like it more visual, you know? And so it just depends on, on on each one of them or sometimes scripture, it's harder for them. So we'll, we'll try a different route. Um, so I try to listen to like what, how they receive first. Um, but I think in general, I would try to give them scriptures to go off of maybe about their identity to start off. Right. Yeah.
0: My sister Rita Claire, you're down at FSC, Florida State yeah. University. Mm-hmm. Monster College or University. How big is this? Forty
2: two thousand students, yeah. 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 And over a thousand kids come to Sunday Mass and so it's standing room only in the big Co Cathedral down there. Mm-hmm. And about three hundred come on our retreats and to our weekly spirit nights and talks and praise and worship. So yeah. um, and there's about sixteen of us that work with the 300 to 1,000 students that are open to being involved. And mm-hmm. our goal is to also just get out on campus every day and reach people that wouldn't come over to the church, you know, which is yeah. right off of campus.
0: Mm-hmm. So. And you have, is there a focus as a large presence? Um,
2: St. Paul's Outreach is our missionaries, oh. and then the Brotherhood of Hope and us, and then some lay um, workers also. Oh, okay.
0: And St. Paul's Outreach, do they? live in community with students? Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah, so there's households that they build yeah. of men and women where they pray three mornings um, at 6, three in the morning, they pray morning prayer with these mm. college students, and then they eat dinner twice no, a day. Now they're just going together.
0: to bed at that
2: time? <laughs> <laughs> it's a night prayer? Not. That a night prayer? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're actually pretty disciplined. It's amazing because mm-hmm. um, they'll go right to work or class right after that. The, the Florida State students are so motivated in their education that mm. it keeps them on a good schedule. Um, And then um, they eat dinner twice a week together and celebrate Lord's Days. And so, yeah, it adds to their schedule, which is good because it keeps them going.
0: Is there a typical type of student? Probably not. But do you, you get like the highly highly motivated ones, successful academics, coming to you? Or?
2: Yeah, Florida State is a highly motivated college. It's really hard to get into um, for Florida residents. Um, it's way more, it's way competitive.
0: Is it harder than University of Florida? It's not harder than University uh. of
2: Florida, but. Um, but because a lot of people can't get into the University of Florida, they all try to go to Florida State, and so it makes it very competitive. And so, yeah, we get these students who are so motivated to be at the top of their class and get into the school. And, yeah. and so it's a balance of being like, OK, let's bring God into this, too. And um, it's OK for you to come to some of these events, too, and not just study. Um, so yeah, what I take them on a spring break mission trip and they all bring their homework <laughs> where mm. <laughs> a lot of college students, you wouldn't experience yeah. <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> and do you work with some of the, because you, you have a background in uh, basketball, college basketball and then professional women's football. Do you work a lot with the sports teams? Or?
2: I have met some of the sports teams and some of the athletes, but I don't directly work with any of them. I've met no. some of the coaches and I'm good friends with the strength and conditioning coach. Um, But yeah, so my role is really to be available for anybody, but um, not one group in particular.
0: And such a push on uh, strength and fitness today mm-hmm. does that help you with your background because you were strength and conditioning coach at notre dame yeah. right for a while. yeah
2: yeah and so i go to the workout facility on campus mm-hmm. and i'll meet girls there and yeah. they've never worked out before so yeah. it helps you know break the ice or give us a place to talk that's in public that's yeah. you know yeah. less uh, stressful for them than just yeah. talking one-on-one in a room yeah. so yeah it definitely helps and we'll play basketball at the beginning of the year and um ultimate frisbee on the big green on campus so it definitely attracts some people who notice a nun who's out there playing and they're like what is going on
0: right, <laughs> and that right. she's good at it too <laughs> do you still lift a little do you like yeah how you mm-hmm. do yep and uh and what about becoming a sister you know you go from the world of uh, professional women's football to being a sister, was that a hard transition?
2: Yeah, I kind of had to learn that reverse theology of, you know, it's okay to be weak, it's okay to be little and small and humble and, and last, where mm-hmm. in sports it's like the biggest, the fastest, the top, yeah, the strongest, yeah. number one. Yeah. So yeah, it was like all of a sudden like, wait a second, everything I've always believed my whole life, it's like backwards now. Um, right. So that was a big transition, but um, yeah, it's all part of of kind of letting your false identity crumble and uh, becoming who the Lord, you know, has called you to be.
0: Yeah, I wish I got there in my novitiate. (laughs) 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 It seems to be a lifelong uh, project. (laughs) uh, I wanted to ask you, too, about, um, yes, part of your story that, that struck us we were recording it was you were in church and you heard Galatians 5. Tell us that story again.
2: Yeah, it was just the second reading on a Sunday Mass, and um, whoever the reader was, you know, read, you know, those of you who have a party spirit and drunkenness and uh, licentiousness and adultery and uh, all these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And um, I just never knew the Bible talked about things like that and never felt kind of called on in my own life of, wait a second, what's my goal? Is having my goal? Then why am I doing these things? Because these things are just had been a part of my daily weekends and
0: you were just, in college at the time i was post-college wow.
2: and i didn't you know couldn't party much in college because i was playing division one basketball so post-college i thought okay let's, it's a free-for-all now yeah, all i have to do is show yeah. up for sunday mass <laughs> right and right. so yeah that inspired me to realize there's more and god's calling me to more and he does speak to you and he does um know about your life
0: <laughs> right because it, it seems like in some ways it's kind of like we talk about evangelization as a encounter and it's not like hitting, slapping people with the ten commandments but it sounds like you were slapped with the ten commandments mm-hmm. <laughs> and you responded yeah and,
2: and even the very next week i was slapped with uh, over the head i just felt like it was a two by four um one corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 which says anyone who eats and drinks the body and blood of christ without first mm-hmm. discerning himself eats and drinks condemnation on himself and that is why many among you are sick and dying and again, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, that's me. I'm sick and dying. And uh, it just drew me to go to confession in the state of mortal sins so that I could receive the Eucharist in a state of grace, which again was nothing I was taught in Catholic grade school or high school or Catholic college. I never had heard that before. I never had heard what adoration was. Um, so this was all in my mid twenties that I was learning a lot of this stuff um, and listening to Catholic radio, learning a lot of the truths of the faith too.
0: Right, EWTN. Yep, watching EWTN.
2: Life on the Rock. Yep. You said the only you... wholesome thing on TV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now, a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll know the commandments and say, Yes, Father, I know that. Uh, but I'm I'm caught up in it. I'm held bound. Mm-hmm. What do you tell people? to? What do you tell your, your college students? I mean, yeah.
2: frequent confession, like don't hide in your shame and your sin, but just go and, and tell someone and get it off your chest and mm-hmm. get a mentor, get accountability, and definitely go to confession. Just run to the, the sacrament so you can be in a state of grace um, because a lot of the... We all retreat and go hide under a rock yeah. when those things are happening, and God wants us to just run into His arms no matter how dirty we feel and just let Him hold us and kiss us. And so, yeah, mercy is just the message of just, just go. Yeah. Don't be afraid of that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's about God's grace and he gives us that strength of mm-hmm. conversion and things. And, um, and now you're, you're fully professed. You've been in the order for how long? 10 years. 10 years. And, uh, and have you, what would you say, like speaking to the world of, like for men and women, you know, sports is so exalted and, what have you discovered, maybe something about your foundational call as a woman religious or as a woman uh, in Christianity that um, the sports model doesn't always give us? Mm-hmm, you know? yeah. but, uh,
2: I think um, a, a priest friend of mine always says, Jesus is the best athlete ever because he carried the cross and then he died on the cross for us. Yeah. And so looking at what you know true athleticism is, which is winning the ultimate prize that doesn't perish, and um, yeah, to follow him and not somebody on tv that you don't even know that you know might not be living a good life as your role model or as your inspiration um it's yeah yeah, it's the end that matters not just uh maybe what's on tv (laughs) yeah
0: yeah I, i was struck one time that steve ray went with him to the holy land and uh and i forgot that there's a big pilgrimage house there in in jerusalem where they they had this replica made from the Shroud of Turin of like this bronze cast bronze statue of the dead Christ. Mm. And, uh, and I was struck at how big he was because you know, mm. they took these measures. He was like six feet tall, mm. just a solid human being. You yeah. <laughs> remind me of that, of an athlete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, religious life, uh, Sister uh, Sarah Rose, when you're working with the novices and things, and I'm hoping maybe a young woman would hear this and, and to understand it, because I think a lot of us grew mm-hmm. up not really understanding religious life. Yeah. How do you explain the call and what it's fundamentally about?
1: I mean, I, Sister Rita Claire was talking about just following the Christ with and carrying the cross into the crucifixion. But really, it's I think it's just gotta be fundamentally just a call to become His alone and to belong totally to Him. And that's gotta be there for them to continue on or else it's it's just gonna be you're doing it for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know? So it's really gotta be a grace that's there. And so I think part of novitiate is, is teasing that out and helping them to see whether that's there or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What are some of the signs that you all look for in discerning a vocation
1: yeah i think i mean there there's some tough things in religious life you know just community life and um we say that it's the best thing and the hardest thing (laughs) you know because we we chafe on each other sometimes so you know um so some of those things but also like um just penances of daily life or little tensions and things like that and how do the Ah. women handle it how do the sisters do you know are they just trying to push through it Mm -hmm. and kind of strive kind of like athleticism you know you have to push through but same time is it just like this empty striving you know because i need to prove myself or is mm-hmm. it like a genuine call mm-hmm. that's there like you're supposed to be here yeah, yeah. and it is the joy there you know mm-hmm. in the midst of all that like i think that really helps to see that yeah you know, i don't see that in her i don't see like the joy maybe happening mm-hmm. in her yeah
0: i related something sister rita you said about uh the more you know that um we can experience things in this world we still this isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know in my case, it wasn't like I was at the top of anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was just like, um, and I, even today, you know, I remember uh, at times like, you know, maybe going through some dryness or something and just say, I want more, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember this woman wrote me this letter and she said, Jesus has a message for you. I, just, I remember I complained to my friend, and I said, I just want more. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the next week, I get this letter from this woman saying, when Jesus got this message, he says, I am the more. I just told this one guy, <laughs> he didn't tell anybody, and she's wow. in another state. <laughs> but I remember it just struck me that, you know, it's always a call to turn back to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so fundamental to religious life. I mean, everybody's called to belong to Christ, but it's like, it's, you know, we're, we're called to, especially women religious, like to be a spouse to him, to mm-hmm. image that and to depend on him, you know, in our schedules, we have more time for prayer and and to live celibacy. And mm-hmm. I mean, some sometimes it takes a while to, I think especially I would imagine for a young person today is like, you want me to do what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, right. but you kind of grow into it and you realize exactly. it's yeah. like a maturing relationship, yeah. you know, the longer you live it. that. That, yeah this is enough mm-hmm. and that this is great you know in the sense that i've got this closeness and mm-hmm. and our life is fosters that
2: mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. i think in the world for me as i was discerning my call i started realizing that it wasn't enough it wasn't enough it wasn't yeah. enough and i wanted more but um as i started like you know praying more and living almost simpler like a religious sister um, yeah i started I started realizing what it, the more is even mm. before I entered religious mm. life, and so that's another sign is is like how how are you living before you even enter like mm. what are you going to to basically in those yeah. moments mm. and um, and then once you enter religious life like I felt like I was swimming upstream in the world trying to live you know that life of. Mm contemplative prayer while working, while playing playing sports, being with my friends, family. Once I entered religious life, I felt like I was in an inner tube in a lazy river just floating down because Mm -hmm. it was built in our schedule. Everyone around me was living it and living it more and higher. And, you know, I was just like, this is this can be heaven on earth because like it's it's right here for me. I'm not having to do it alone, making it up myself, you know, and trying to work at the same time and survive in the world.
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I appreciate that the older I get to you only have so much energy Mm -hmm. and you just you know What are you going to give that to Mm -hmm. and and you you mentioned the holy hour and things? Maybe you could share with us some ways that you like to pray with the scriptures or the rosary or what? what Yeah,
2: I mean the way I was first first taught to pray was to just go to adoration and sit there and be with the Lord and so contemplative prayer was really how I learned how to pray it wasn't until entering religious life and going on retreats that I began to learn how to pray with Scripture too, and mm-hmm. doing a 30-day silent retreat. Um, so now, I, now I can do both, and um, I love to journal um, whether it's with Scripture or just listening to the Lord. Um, I write down whatever I feel like He's saying to me, and um, it just helps me remember the truth. Um, but yeah, Scripture so is like during the day
0: you would actually journal something. Yeah, whenever right.
2: I'm in adoration, I'll journal, oh, okay. mm-hmm. yeah. and um, and then. When I read scripture, too, um, I just feel like when she received her call, too, it was just always like, whoa, the Lord's speaking mm-hmm. to me now. And some days, obviously, are dry, and so you just mm-hmm. go anyways, and you try to be inspired by a saint or by a scripture, mm-hmm. by reading something. Um, but the the bottom line is go anyways. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like football practice. Some days you don't want to go, but you <laughs> yeah, got to go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is it, uh, how would you describe your time yeah. of prayer like
1: that? Yeah, I think when I first started praying, I... Now I pray a lot, visual, kind of like visually, like imagine being somewhere with Jesus maybe, um, or a certain part of the scriptures. But I thought that that was wrong when I was in college. I didn't think you could like use your imagination. So that really broke open scripture for me once I knew I could pray that way. So I remember, being like, "Oh, yeah, really? I could do that?" Like, that's awesome. So, that really became kind of a bedrock for me in my prayer. So, I pray with scripture a lot. The gospels, I would say the most.
0: So, you would like read a gospel scene, yeah. try to imagine the scene.
1: Right. Kind of like either I'm there with with the crowd with Jesus or I'm like a person in the scene, like maybe one of the apostles and he's saying whatever it is to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I I know I've, I'm not I don't I'm not good with that and I I remember watching like the Passion of the Christ or some good religious movie and thinking, "Man, I have not, I have not done my own homework," you know, and <laughs> meditating and imagining this, and you know, because yeah. it's so powerful to yeah. see it on the screen. It's right, like definitely. we can do some of that ourselves, you yeah. know. And, mm-hmm. Right.
1: So I, think, I mean, it's, it's different people pray differently too, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's not the only way to pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, any thoughts on Our Lady? I always like to talk a little bit about Our Lady yeah. and get some insights there. I think, uh, um, I don't know, it just seems like uh, Mary devotion and theology just seem like it's really kind of moving and powerful today. Um, do you have any reflections on Our Lady? I know we had a new feast day, like uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, yeah, no, about right. Ma- Mary, Mother of the, the church. church. After Pentecost. Yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. Monday after Pentecost. Yeah,
1: that's right.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know for me, when I was discerning religious life, I uh, consecrated myself to Mary and um, do it every year. And I just feel like, yeah, it, it that encouraged my relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And it also just made me rely on her. And, um,
0: uh, was that before religious life? Yeah. Right okay. before
2: religious life, mm-hmm. like the two years before yeah. I consecrated myself to her yeah. and then would repeat it every year. And, um, yeah, I just find it renewing myself in my relationship with uh-huh. her. And, um, even when I went to enter religious life and I knew I was leaving my mother, like physically, I knew I was going to be able to do it because I had Mary um, as my mother. And um, so, yeah, having her with us, um, yeah, not only is she our model, but she's our friend and our sister, but it just enabled me to to be okay leaving yeah. my earthly mother
0: too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I was recently, um, I was at a parish and it's 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 like a, dying community and it was it's a poor african-american church and and back in the 30s and 40s they built and there's still a, a high school there they're going to move it and stuff and there's all these great works but it was powered by these priests and brothers or a group of priests and all these sisters uh, the passionists were down here and uh and I thought, what a loss, you know, not to have, I was just thinking, especially the sisters. Mm. And, and some of the people at this parish and a neighboring one were taught by these sisters, mm-hmm. you know, and their presence in their life. Uh, a, lot, a lot of them, you know, it was a big part of their still being Catholic or converting to Catholicism. And I thought it's such a loss, you know, mm. not to have as many sisters in the church in America as we mm-hmm. have today. And it's just, it's, it's amazing the work they've done And I think their presence is a humble witness. You know, it is an image of Mary, and we need that. Even though these sisters, they told me, were pretty tough, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) they—they image this tender love of Mm -hmm. Mary. You know, Mm -hmm. this—that I'm here for you, Mm -hmm. and I'm—I'm—I'm caring for you, and I love you. And that man—that is such a treasure Mm -hmm. in the in the world today. That. Sisters bring, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. have y'all experienced that? You worked in Steubenville, or you were Tommy. you worked with the poor in Steubenville, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, um, even with the college students, though, I experienced mm-hmm. this like the spiritual motherhood more mm-hmm. than with the poor. The poor, I felt like I was an image of Christ for them and a friend to them, mm-hmm. um, more so than mothering them, maybe just because yeah. of their age. But, um, but the, the students, you definitely feel like you are their spiritual mother, and um. um it's awesome
0: yeah 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 to have somebody like de- uh, the freedom of celibacy to just be dedicated to them and have, you know. yeah it's
1: mm-hmm. such a gift yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah well thank you so much for chatting with us yeah and, uh, we had a lunch date tonight or a dinner date right with our family <laughs> so thanks uh thanks for coming down and doing the show thanks, thanks for, for having
1: us father mm-hmm. thanks for all you do